everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, Episode 9, Which Distro and Why, Part 1. Today we're going to cover one of the most asked questions regarding Linux. Which distribution should I use, and why? We're calling this Part 1 because, well, it's not really a topic you can ever cover entirely. Uh, if we give you an answer today, in six months, though, the uh, scenery may have changed, and so we may have to come back and give you a different answer. But really... Well, we'll get into that a little further on. But before I do that, let's go ahead and introduce our guest co-hosts for the, or not guest co-hosts, just our regular panel of co-hosts for the show, uh, beginning with Mr. Chris Neves, a.k.a. Slipped, in the chat room. Hello, Chris. Hey, how goes it today? All right. Not so, not too bad. How about you? Well, I don't have things falling on me today. So that's, that's important. Good. Yes. <laughs> and Mr. Seth Anderson, known as something generally involving Seth in the chat room. Say hello, Seth. Hello, everyone. I'm just Seth for the second show in a row. All right. And our noob in residence, Mr. Aaron Butler, known as the former fat guy. Hell to everyone out there from the beautiful state of Georgia. Um, did you uh, give us an update, Aaron? Uh, what is your former fat guy status right now? How much have you lost as of the recording date? Oh, uh, it's it's right around 135, give or take. Uh had kind of a, a slower week this week, so I actually gained back a pound or so. But that happens. Depends on what I ate. But about 135 pounds. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. So if you want to hear more about how Aaron did it, check out his podcast on the Elmanope uh, production website, uh, uh, One Meal, One Workout. And as he likes to point out, you've got to scroll to the bottom to find it because it's not at the top yeah, of the show. Thanks for giving me some love, Mark, since I'm on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that. we're trying to get you to do more work so yeah. rather than less. Exactly. Or, yeah, that's right. That's exercise. That's scrolling down. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you alternate fingers so you don't get one overdeveloped. <laughs> the confusion principle of exercise. Uh, so, okay. Uh, there, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we got uh, into the discussion topic for today is uh, something that I was doing today because it's a weekend and I'm a geek and that's the kind of things we do. Uh, my kids were all outside playing in the pool because it's 104 degrees in Texas in the summer. Uh, uh, and by when I say pool, I don't mean a uh, concrete nice pool. I mean, actually, it's a sandbox that they put water in. That's that's how white trash we are, people. They fill their sandbox <laughs> with water. Mark, I, I've got to tell you this one. And if I can find the picture on Facebook, I will send it to you guys. One of my friends, who's about as country as we can get, puts pictures on Facebook of her kids. They are playing in a pool outside. It is a flat bottom boat full of water. Nice. <laughs> Sitting on the back porch. I put the flat bottom boat on the back porch and filled it full of water. It is awesome. You know, I think that it would actually hold more water than the sandbox. <laughs> But anyway, as I, as they were outside playing and I had a few minutes of quiet, and when you have three girls, that doesn't happen very often, I was watching a documentary on Netflix, and I was watching uh, uh, a, a documentary about Ray Kurzweil, uh, who uh, you've probably heard of uh, in, in any field that you may have been in, Ray Kurzweil um, has touched it in some way. Uh, he uh, designed a series of music keyboards if you're in the music industry you you know the Kurzweil keyboards he's uh, uh been a futurist he's done stuff in biotech he's all over the place but uh this show was uh talking about specifically what he calls the singularity the point in which technology advances to the point where everything breaks down and you can't even recognize it as technology anymore. Like right now we'll get a new gadget every six to eight months. You know, he's postulating that in time it will be a new gadget every six to eight seconds and it'll just be so such a different world. It won't even be recognizable as the world 
that we know it. And, and so he borrowed that term from the physicist, the singularity where everything just sort of breaks down and you don't even recognize, uh, the world anymore. But one of the things that uh, caught me on that is I was talking, uh, as he was talking about, he said, I think in 2029 was the year he said it would happen, uh, maybe 2025. He said that we would reach a point where we would design a computer as smart as a human, as, a, as smart as, a, as complex as a human brain. And so naturally, technology never stops. So once we get to as complex as a human brain, we're going to plus one that, right, or more likely square that, uh, and then we'll be smarter. And And we often joke about the fact that our computers are smarter than we are, but we know they're not. We know that they have access to more information than we do, and we know that they um, have uh, the ability to do calculations more quickly than we do, but our machines are not smarter than we are. And I was thinking, what happens when they are? What do you think about that, guys? Skynet! He will, they will take us over. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe and, they already have, and that's why everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> There's no spoon. Um, so it, it, that's one of the things they talked about. It's like, you know, the technology is not going to stop. Once a computer is as smart as we are, the computer will start designing computers, right? Because we design computers. And so it'll design a computer smarter, smarter than it is, and that computer will design a sm- computer smarter than it is. And eventually, at some point in the future, computers will be so much more advanced above us Killing us will be no different than us stepping on an ant. What if computers tried to build a better human? They'd probably d- succeed. And really then those better humans human. could build better computers. <laughs> so uh, that just something I thought was interesting. I th- thought I'd throw out there in the last line of the documentary. If you have Netflix, check it out. Um, I forget the name of it, but if you look up Kurzweil, you're only going to find a couple. Uh, but uh, the last line he said in that was, uh, he was talking about theology as it relates to technology, and he said, does God exist? Not yet. So he's looking at man to create God in some synthetic form. Well, you know, I read an article, uh, an interview with him from Time Magazine. It was actually five months ago today. Uh, he says the year 2045 is the year that man figures out immortality. So uh, he, and it was, I don't necessarily know that I agree with all of the article, but it was a really very interesting read. And uh, it took me a while to read it because a lot of big concepts. And if you don't know Kurzweil, you might wonder why we care what he predicts. The dude has been predicting things for a long time and has been scary right. Uh, He predicted the Internet like in the 60s before there was a distributed network of computers. He predicted pretty much the Internet we have today. Um, and and he, then Al Gore invented it. And then Al Gore heard about that and went and invented it. Uh, he predicted this, the modern smartphone uh, like before there were cell phones. I mean, the guy knows his stuff, and, and it's the fact that he's been right so much in the past that kind of makes you want to listen to him about the future. Well, the, the so, one thing we do have over machines is that, at least to, to some level, they don't have hands. <laughs> so we ha- we would have to endow them with the ability to actually build something or do something or connect them to something that gave them the uh, the ability to do that. So, you know, we still can, in theory, we could pull the plugs. I mean, we have a few years left in the old human race before we're taken over by robots. Before we have but to it, burn out the sun and then they start using yeah. us. But even if, yeah. that's, even, if we, even if they do that, you know, uh, at least um, the flight of the Concords have already got that that music market kind of sewn up. 
with the, one of the best songs ever written, but that's beside the point. Well, this whole thing is beside the point, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I was beside the point that was beside the point. <laughs> if we had one more point, we'd have an ellipse, but uh, anyway. Okay, so let's move on from our beside this point of beside the point and move on to the next beside the point item. Uh, I think Chris put that in there. Uh, Seth? Uh, Actually, I did. Oh, okay, uh, Seth. Yeah. Uh, no more Halo. Bungie, yeah. Well, no, it's not that there's no more Halo, but it's Bungie has officially... Um, they will be officially releasing the reins to it, and the community will live on, but it won't be by its creators. Sad news indeed. Huh. If you're a Halo player. Which I love Halo. It's the whole reason I bought the original Xbox was Halo 2, and then Halo Reach is the reason I bought 360. Halo 2 is the reason I bought 360. Hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I I have a hardware device that I you know what was it three or four hundred dollars at the time, uh, just to play that one game because yeah I'm well, I'm with you brother I'm a Halo fan. Yeah, and actually, a friend of mine had the uh, pre-released French cracked version of Halo Two, and I enjoyed playing it so much. I went out the next day on my way home from work and I bought an Xbox Halo One and pre-ordered Halo Two. So that is an instance where piracy made that company money. No, Seth, <laughs> you you said that wrong. Your conscience bothered you so much about playing something illicit that you went and bought <laughs> the real one. No, I was simply trying it out to see if it's something I would enjoy. So, <laughs> what do they call it? Where is? Uh, no, I don't know where he got it from. He was just playing it, and I played it, and I was hooked. So, um, but it was awesome, and it still is awesome. I personally have never gotten into first-person shooters on a console ever since GoldenEye. GoldenEye was my last hurrah of that back in the N64 days. Everything I've done since then has all been. PC based keyboard and mouse. Um, so well, GoldenEye is still held up as a standard in first person shooter games because yep. apparently it was super awesome. It was super awesome, it, and it so, still yeah. is super awesome. On a console, I just can't do first person shooters. I've been a computer gamer for so long that you you give me those two dual sticks and I spin around in circles looking at the ceiling. Yeah. Well, and you can't do the flip around. There's no way to flip yep. around. I just don't know. I can't do it without the flip around. But anyway. I stopped playing shooters when my oldest daughter got old enough to understand that I was killing people. Yeah, uh, I had. And a- I, I really haven't played much since my son has gotten of age either. Yeah. In fact, a friend gave me a trial version, a legal trial version, seven hours of StarCraft Two, and my son, you know, peeked over my shoulder and, "What are you doing, Daddy? Which one's the bad guys? Which one are you killing?" You know, and I was like, "Okay, time to turn this off." You yeah. Know, uh, I was uh, had some friends over. We were playing Halo 2. I had the sniper rifle, had my sights in, shot a guy in the head, and my daughter went, uh-oh, he fell down. I went, ah, you know, what lesson am I teaching? Maybe well, that's the, great thing, that's the great thing about GoldenEye. You should break GoldenEye out, Mark. It has a paintball mode. Oh, there you go. And it has the DK head mode, too, where everybody's head is like the size of a giant pumpkin, which was always real fun. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody a gets game. a headshot. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> their head was literally like the size of their entire rest of their body. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> okay, so moving on, do we have any other off-topic stuff before we hit the topic? Uh, off-topic, off-topic, off-topic. No. I know that's hard for you, Aaron. Well, everything's off-topic. Nothing is. I got something. Okay. I got something that's off-topic. 18 pounds of chicken takes a long time to cook on a barbecue. Okay. Wow. <laughs> bet, yeah, that would. Hey, well, I'm just going to... I've still got brisket left over from last week, guys. If you want some, just let me know. I'm going to throw this out there because um, you may not know this about me, uh, Chris, since we're 
we're just becoming friends uh, through EDL experience here. I am one of a small percentage of people in the world that is allergic to poultry. Really? Not eggs, but poultry. That's why they call it fowl. But anyway, uh, that's my standard joke. Yeah, I am uh, very, very, I've actually never met another person that's allergic to it. I've met someone who knew someone's cousin whose sister had heard about this guy that went roller skating once with a guy that had worked with a guy that had a a chicken allergy. But um, other than that, no, never met anybody. But it's it's a true documented thing. Is it ingestion or just touch? Um, it's an, uh, if I, I can touch it with my skin as long as I don't touch my eyes or my mouth or anything after that, you know, so it doesn't like, it's not transdermal, but it's, uh, it's not fun. So does that mean you can't eat? Well, clearly, I mean, like if a restaurant fries and chick fries, chicken nuggets, and then does their fries in the same oil, that doesn't bother you or does it? It depends. Most of the time I seem to be okay on that. I don't know whether it's because the frying changes the. The little tiny bits of meat that are left, the frying changes the protein structure enough that it doesn't bother me. But I can tell, I can tell down to the degree of if people cook their rice and chicken broth, or definitely if a soup has a chicken broth broth base. I can't eat the the straight meat of any type. Like I can't eat, I have to make sure I don't eat turkey dogs or chicken dogs or anything like that. Usually when I get I get bit by it, <laughs> uh, or pecked, I guess I should say. Usually when I get pecked by it is. Um, like Chinese and Mexican rice that's been cooked in chicken broth or a soup that you would think is not chicken broth based, but turns out to be right. That's hmm. usually, so. I, I have to ask lots of questions and, and people look at me funny cause nobody's ever heard of that before. The, my favorite was wow. the lady at my office that said, I asked for these, so, these, uh, breakfast burritos. She said, what's in them? And I said, sausage. And she, I said, what kind of sausage? And she said, meat. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> And I said, is there any poultry in it? I'm allergic to poultry. poultry. And she said, and I quote, you'll probably be okay. <laughs> I was like, thanks. I'll have two sausage burritos and an EpiPen. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to, to derail us too much more, but this is too good a story to leave off. Uh, Seth, I believe I was with you at one point. I went to a Mexican restaurant in college, and the, the menu said meat tacos. And so I asked the waitress, Meat tacos. What? What? What's in that? She said meat. I said, well, what? I, think, I said, what, what? I think that was El Charo. Okay. I said, what? What kind of meat? She said, taco meat. <laughs> I said, but what is it like beef? And she said, it's like beef. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was El Charo. And I said, I'll have nachos. <laughs> You'll probably Maybe be okay. <laughs> Was there a low population of dogs and cats in the neighborhood? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't have a, ma- a mouse problem, that's for sure. <laughs> but that's one of the funniest things a waitress has ever said to me. It's like beef. Well, I, I had somebody one time at a party. Um, you know, I'm always asking. I'm always going through the whole buffet line and, you know, who made this? Can I eat this? And and I, I, can't, I think it was meatballs now or something. And I had asked, is there anything any poultry and i and i had literally already eaten the meatball and the person goes oh but the meatballs are turkey like as an afterthought (laughs) (laughs) you're okay there's no chicken in the soup the rice hasn't been cooked in chicken broth you know i I didn't put that near any kind of chicken Uh, you're okay oh but oh those meatballs are they're straight turkey (laughs) as i'm over there you know starting to break out into a sweat and starting to be sick but yeah you're about to be all right (laughs) it's like beef (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, we so have an episode called "It's Like Beef." So yeah, that's going to be our our new running jag- gag. It's like beef, Linux. It's like beef. <laughs> it's uh, like Windows. <laughs> so today you we're going to be. Uh, I, I put out a tweet uh, a while back uh, as we were gathering topics for the show, and I said, "What are your questions about Linux?" And like the number one answer I got back from my followers was, "Which distro should I use and why?" And and my response was, "Well, that's a little bit like asking which car should I drive." Um, but, and again, people do ask that question, right? Consumer Reports is all about which car should you drive. So I thought we would try to take and try to answer that question. And, and our notes are a little sparse because honestly, I don't really know where we're going with this. It's a, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, generally, it's a question that poses a lot more questions. Uh, so guys, I'll just right now with no editorial, which distro and why? I think and Mark, you hit it. I, I think you hit it on the spot, Mark, because the question you have to ask the question first, as if you if you take the car analogy, if I say what car do I need to buy, then they need to then they will ask the question: Are you commuting to work? Do you want to haul trash with it? Do you have a large family? That kind of thing. So, I mean, from a total new perspective, I would have to ask those questions up front, as you know, if you were asking me that question. So, what's the yeah, best distro what kind of to do what is thing? Going on? Yeah. So, uh, Chris, our our probably <laughs> resident uh, um, uh, Linux expert, more so than me. What what do you have to say about that? Well, the, it's just like everyone else is saying. It's you have to. There is no perfect answer for this. Um, I would say. Not only the the questions that were posed already is what is it going on? Is it a laptop or is it a desktop? That's going to be the key dividing there because hardware support is so wild off the charts. You need to know where it's going before you can even make a suggestion. Yeah, and so as I was getting ready for this show, um, I posed some of those questions. What do you need to do with it? Uh, what hardware do you have available? Is it a desktop? Is it a laptop? Is it a netbook? Is it your primary computer or is it an extra computer for the kids? Um, so let's let's answer uh, these questions. Um, let, let me let me jump in, Mark, and let me let me pretend to be that person asking the question and give a scenario. So if I want to use a Linux version and I've got a couple of three year old desktop and I'm going to do basic computer usage, i.e., email little word processing, few spreadsheets, surfing the internet. What's the best distro for me? Probably Linux uh, Mint. Well, or any other Ubuntu-based system. Um, they're, they seem to be a little more uh, user-friendly and a little more uh, hardware-independent. So I would say any anything that has Ubuntu or the Ubuntu base or something like that, I would say those would be the ones to look for. Uh, I know for say for you as a kid for your kids there's a whole bunch of them that are based just for kids. Yeah, um I think the the general purpose answer that I would give for a for desktop use is uh is Ubuntu. It is the most widely supported right now. It's the most popular right now and therefore has the most people using it and you're most likely to find help. Um, but that's not 
That's not a hard answer. It's just the based on very limited information, I would say Ubuntu or as Seth said, it's derivative Linux Mint. And you definitely know, not the latest version of Fedora. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, Fedora was originally a woman's hat. Thank you. Thank you very you know, and and we've covered this before. Uh, my only reservation for Mint is that they do some things that aren't entirely legal in the U.S., and so I, I don't uh, recommend that for that reason. Um, but it's a great distribution. Uh, so let's talk about what I have labeled the big three, uh, and that's uh, Debian or Ubuntu is like the biggest uh, derivative of Debian, uh, Red Hat, and SUSE. Um, I'm going to ask this of Chris. Uh, who is the best user for uh, SUSE? What's the best say, use case scenario for it? Um, see, that's that that just given those three distributions, that's a tough one because the Red Hat and the SUSE Linux experience is so close together. Um, it's literally, in my opinion, the difference between the two are color scheme and. So I mean, I would say the average. I would no. I wouldn't say average. I'd say a power user would be better in the Red Hat or SUSE department. Someone who's just fresh to the Linux environment, I would point them at Debian or Ubuntu. All right, Seth, do you have a different answer? Uh, no, I think. Um if, if you're an end user, I would go the Ubuntu route, and then if you're a business user, I don't have a lot of experience with either one of those two, but I think either one of those would probably be better for a business environment. All right, so there you go. It's like eight minutes into the show, we have the answer. All right. <laughs> so next week, we're going to talk. No. Um, how but many- there's so much more now to ask, other than just that. Right. Um. I'm just going to pull up DistroWatch here. Uh, it's a, a site we've mentioned uh, a number of times uh, about the show. And uh, how many, over 4,000 Linux distributions, uh, different versions, okay, according to their website. 4,000. All right, and somebody says, which one should I use? Now, understandably, that's a good question. If I'm looking at a choice of 4,000, I want somebody to tell me which one of these should I use. But it's also almost impossible to give you the correct answer because there are so many different versions. And I so many get, different itches. What was you know, that? I want to get, get Pingy OS for netbooks just because of the name. <laughs> POS? They're saying Pingy. Oh, Pingy. All right. Pingy OS for netbooks. It's based on Ubuntu. Right. With extra Wi-Fi drivers. And and the reason I, I said the big three is a lot of these 4,000 distributions are going to be based on one of those three. They're going to be based on Debian. They're going to be based on Red Hat. They're going to be based on SUSE. You know, one we've talked about uh, before, uh, uh, Puppy, isn't based on anything. Uh, guy just wrote it from scratch based on the Linux kernel. Uh, so they're not all derivatives of something. There are a lot of them out there. Um, so some of the questions I came up with uh, that you need to ask yourself is, uh, what do I need to do with it? Is it a workhorse computer? Is uh, media important to me? Do I want the latest and greatest uh, uh, video drivers and audio drivers? Uh, what hardware do I have? Do I have the newest, hottest, or do I have something a little older? 
is free, as in the whole open source ethos that we talked about in the last episode. Is that a big deal to me? Is this a holy war or do I just want a computer? Uh, that's a question you got to ask yourself. Um, how often do you want to change? Do I want to put something on one time and leave it there until I throw the computer away? Or do I want to change every six months? Um, is commercial support important for me? If it's a business environment, that may be very important to you. We talked about that again last week. Um, that's a big deal. But if it's, uh, if you're a home user, commercial support probably isn't that important to you. So these are some of the questions I came up with. Um, what, what do you guys, other questions can you come up with? Let's not come up with answers yet. Let's just come up with questions. Hmm. That's a good question, maybe, Mark. <laughs> maybe um, how much less cruft do you want? Because some of the some of the distributions that are out there are really lean in what they give you to start with. You know, do you want it to fit on a you know half of a CD? You know, five hundred megs of of disk space. Are you um, or do you want everything in the kitchen sink? To in let's see. Uh, how much compatibility do you need with other programs? Um, I've noticed the uh, support between um, using something like Wine or Crossover Office, the results can vary a little bit between um, you know, distribution to how well that program will run. Okay. Those are good ones. Yeah, if you want to drop this thing into a Windows network, you don't want Puppy. Right, you want Red right. Hat or Sousa? Probably Sousa would be yep. the better choice there. Um, what else? Uh, do you want um, uh, how pretty? How much is pretty important to you? There are prettier distributions. Linux Mint is much prettier than Fedora. Yeah. How much? Uh, how many? How much effects? You know, do you want all the pretty effects in the uh, the wobbly windows? I love wobbly windows. I know some people hate them. I love them. I hate them. <laughs> Personally, I, I think Wobbly Windows is the worst thing they could have ever done. Shuttleworth agrees with you, by the way. Well, at least I, I at least I have a similar thing there with Shuttleworth, and <laughs> I guess that's one point in similarity compared to many not similarities. So obviously, um, all of our listeners can't come to us and and ask us this question. Uh, do you guys know of any good resources where people can find out about this sort of stuff? Again, I already mentioned one, DistroWatch, but it is, um, it's sort of the kitchen sink there. It just, it doesn't really give any, um, editorial, just lists everything. Uh, I think there's a, um, kind of a, a step, I thought I saw it on Linux.com the other day, where there, yeah, there is like a, a s- there's a top seven, on Linux.com, like best distros for you, best Linux desktop, best Linux laptop, best Linux enterprise, best Linux enterprise server. So there is some some uh, consensus, at least on the Linux.com site, about those. And reallylinux.com. Really Linux? Reallylinux.com. Tell me about that. It is... Uh, I've, I'm pulling it up in just as, as soon as it loads, which is never fast when I want it to. But it's designed for Linux for beginners. So there's an article on commands for server to use, for use, beginner Linux commands, 
installation of help tips, um, commands for gurus, wannabes. It's designed for basically Linux noobs. Inter- um, the subtitle of the site is International Site for Linux Beginners. I don't think it's just you, Seth. I think our thousands of listeners is actually hurting their site because it's loading really slowly for me, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Yay, we crashed their site. It's the EDL so, In a good way. What was the, what's the URL again, Seth? Reallylinux.com. Uh, R-E-A-L-L-Y, Really Linux. Uh, all yeah. of these will be in the show notes if you're listening. Yeah, Linux.com has been my usual go-to place for anything, but I'll have to look into this really Linux. I have, I, I've seen it, but I haven't really dug into the site. Yeah, the fourth button down, choosing the right Linux distribution over on the far right. Hmm. So, so uh, little, some consensus there, too. Chris, I'm, I'm going to go back to you again on this because you're the one who has uh, probably been dealing with this the longest out of this bunch. Uh, tell me what distros you've tried and and what, what are you sticking with and why? <laughs> I know, thousands of them, right? Uh, how long is this podcast going to be? <laughs> as long as it needs to be. <laughs> um, well, I have tried the big three. Um, I've, I've played with both or pretty much all three of those on every release day. Those are my, when I hear release date, that's the, I try them all. Um, normally I'm a big Fedora pusher. I really love the, the community behind Fedora. Uh, the Ubuntu community is probably third in my opinion and Susie is, is second. Um, I've also tried some of the more obscure ones that are on the DistroWatch page. Um, I've tried CentOS, and I, that isn't bad for a server. I've tried, uh, well, let's go down the list. I'll just start telling you the ones I've tried. Uh, I've tried Scientific Linux, and uh, a good drop-in for CentOS, if you, or a Red Hat-based system again. Um, I've tried Arch. I've tried Sabian, or Sabian, or how, however you pronounce that. Um, one we haven't talked about yet is Gentoo. I've tried Gentoo. Um, I've tried Yellow Dog. I've tried, yeah, you pretty much name a distribution. I've probably tried it or at least VM'd it. Um, the ones I'm sticking with right now, they usually seem to be a, a Ubuntu-based distro for some of my systems, and the other ones are Fedora or Suzy. Those are my top three. Um, I'm curious to play with... Um, I just uh, the new MIPS. The MIPS distribution is supposedly their last release was supposed to be a really good one, so I'm curious to try that one. That's next on my my uh, testing bench. Well, again, with four thousand plus distros, you're going to have some crazy names. Yeah, <laughs> MIPS is it all? Is an, is a dist, is a good distro, and that's M E P I S. It's based on Debian, so it's. Um, it's got a really big software set, um, but supposedly they have a really good, their last release is a really good one, so I guess I can do a, a roundup of that on a future show. Yeah, that would be a good idea. And, and again, uh, one of the things that I wanted to say to the, to the people who, uh, asked me that question is, well, listen to the show and we'll give you the answer. Cause each week we've been talking about, uh, for the most part, different Linux versions and, and their strengths and weaknesses and, uh, 
uh, we'll continue to do that, but also, uh, as we did last week, we talked philosophy and, and um, what I call the religious uh, uh, side of it. Um, but uh, there's just way more information out there than any one person can can assimilate. So it really, the way I come uh, uh, break it down is it comes down to uh, different categories, desktop or server, for one. For server, um, Red Hat or CentOS, which is based on Red Hat, wins, in my opinion. It's the best. Just stop there. It's in the desktop realm where you have all this diversity that uh, things get really interesting because no, no two people do the same thing on their computer. I mean, with the exception of, um, well, I don't know. Is it rare? Maybe there's the, this, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting myself here, but maybe there's a distinction we should make between Linux enthousi- or computer enthusiasts and normal people. Uh, normal people take the defaults. They buy an HP laptop. It's got Windows on it with Internet Explorer and the background that has the Acer logo on it. And, uh, wait, I said an HP laptop. Anyway. <laughs> and, and that's what they do forever, right? And so four years later, when they get rid of that, it's got the same background and it's still got the same version of Internet Explorer. Um, if you're one of those people, um, then again, I'm going to say Ubuntu because it's probably, uh, well, I don't know. Can I say that guys with the, with the most recent version of Ubuntu with the Unity and all the thing, their thing going with? Can I, can I even say that? I'm not sure I, I can. I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, you could probably say Linux Mint, which is an Ubuntu derivative. Right, and they're, they're uh, not moving then, on that train. But then you end up in that gray area that are you going to be, are you talking legalese or are you talking, you know, free as in beer? Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's try to answer that question for that person who just takes the default. All right, the the twelve o'clock blinkers, the the person whose VCR blinks twelve o'clock because they don't care to change it. What's the best distro for them? Are we talking new hardware or old hardware though? Let's say it's like a new. They, Let's say it's okay, a new computer. Brand spanking new. Um, I guess I'll take first shot at this since I'm talking. Um, uh, I would say the twelve o'clock blinkers. And are you going to be around to help if they have a question? Or are you just dropping this thing off and running? Um, let's say uh, Thanksgiving email. and Christmas tech support, or or email support. Yeah, type that's idea. Okay, uh, for that type of a person, I would honestly say Open Susie. Okay, tell because, me why. Because because they have the ability. They ask you, do you you know are you going to play music? Then you need this codec. Download it here, and they actually have a place that says. You know their their online repository that you can actually search for things. You can search for the the lib DVD codex, and you don't know have to know what you're talking about. You just say DVD player, and it shows it to you. So I would say Open Susie, just for the legal, you know, being being happy and legal, and not have to worry about something, and knowing that it's going to work on ninety ninety five percent of the hardware. Seth, do you have a a different uh, take on that? Well, I would say Linux Mint because that's the one that I know that would satisfy the 12 o'clock blinker. And that's the thing. There are so many different distributions that somebody else could say one that pretty much was the exact same. But because, like, I'm looking through just a list and I've never heard of most of these, which doesn't mean they're bad. 
it's just impossible for me to know them all. So a lot of that is what do I know? And, you know, I'm going to tell people what I know, which is Linux Mint. I think my answer for the 12 o'clock blinker is uh, PC Linux OS, one that uh, is not a widely known uh, one, and it moves slowly. They they only update every couple of years. Um, they're very stable. Uh, it's got a very nice control center in it uh, for um, making you know whatever adjustments you might need to, and uh, that's probably the one that I would point them at. Aaron, our noob, do you have uh, any take on that at all? Well, I would say that I know nothing. <laughs> I don't know enough to be able to, I've only played with a few different versions, and I'm just not versed enough to be able to say anything. Can I say this statement? That for the average user, probably any of the main ones would work okay? Yeah, I think I'd would agree that be my that. contribution? Yeah. That I would I mean, any of these that you said would would work for me if I was just going to be used as a replacement OS for my home use. And maybe um, maybe that's the answer. Maybe we have parity among the non niche distributions, and maybe it really doesn't matter all that much for the people who don't care. It's only it only matters for the people who are really heavy enthusiasts. I would almost because yeah, I, that I statement. would say I could, I could I feel like I could probably go you know. I was looking at the on the distro watch between Ubuntu and Debian, um, which is my understanding from you, Mark, that Debian is a Ubuntu is a derivative of Debian or very, very closely right. related. There are five thousand out of the top eight thousand. You know, uh, if you combine them, because they're like number one and number four. I, if it was just me and somebody said go figure out which one to get, I would go there, look at that, see, okay, you know, five out of ten, fifty percent chance I'm going to get one that'll function if I take with this, and I would. Probably take Ubuntu just because it's top of the list, and probably be okay with it. And unless I would, you happen to have a fairly, I was just saying, unless you happen to have a fairly new laptop, and your wireless drivers don't work, which is what happened with me when I tried Ubuntu. I would say ten point oh four and down. I agree with that statement. Ten point ten and up. I don't agree with that statement. Um, wait, no, ten point ten and down, not eleven point oh four and up. There we go. Um, yeah. Well, we don't know what eleven ten is going to be like, so that's going to be a, that's right. going to be the deciding. You know, I might go back to to try Ubuntu because Unity killed me. I I, I pulled um, Ubuntu off of all my my machines because Unity killed my computers for at least for, for functionality wise for me. For the for the noob out there, what is Unity? It's the uh, the user interface that they've gone. We've talked about GNOME and KDE and, and those sort of things. Unity is the interface that they've gone with, the desktop windowing system. It's, uh, it's new and rough around the edges. Just like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, Fedora, um, help me, 13? Is that what they're up to? 16? Whatever 15. it is. 15. 15. Um, uses... Uh, um, GNOME 3. GNOME, GNOME 3. 3. It's not ready yet either. Uh, Unity is more ready, uh, but it's more designed. The, my take on it is it's more designed for the mobile device, for the netbook. Uh, it's a very simple interface, um, and um, some really th basic things are hard to do, like rebooting is actually kind of a challenge. Yeah. But then again, you know, it is in Windows, too. <laughs> you have to. It's like three clicks to reboot Windows. But it's not hidden in a menu choice, though. I That's mean, true. at least seven has it right there, front and center. You know, you click the shutdown button, you could say yes, I want to shut down, and it's over. 
in Unity and GNOME 3, it's like five or six mouse clicks to try and find the darn thing, and then you can actually say, yes, I want to shut the thing down. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, well, as a, as a teaser for one of the soon-to-shows is uh, my kiss goodbye to GNOME. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, okay, so... Um now, that, we'll just leave that uh, um, hanging in the breeze there. Uh, so that was the the twelve o'clock blinker. What about the the enthusiast, the 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 elite hacksaw? What what does he need? Um, I would say in years past that's been Debian. Debian has been the hacker distro, right? If you want to uh, compile your keyboard driver using only mouse clicks or something like crazy like that, um, that's the way to go. But Debian has really evolved to the point where um, I, I don't know that that's true anymore. What What do you think, Chris? What is the the uh, the real heavy hardcore geek Linux? Are we talking neck, are, are we talking like netbeards and right. graybeards? That's right. Yeah. Um, the, bandana the, guy. What does bandana the, guy want to use? I would almost say bandana guy. He wouldn't be listening to the show to start with because he That's already knows point. it all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, if if I were to guess what bandana guy is running, I would say he's probably running Arch or Gentoo. Yeah, I was thinking Arch. Uh, Arch is uh, really stripped down. I'm not even sure you get a user interface at first. I mean, a desktop uh, nope. from the beginning. Um, yeah. You have to add everything. And there's no such thing as updates necessarily. It's just kind of a rolling update. Like every night yep. you get the latest patches. So you're always running the bleeding edge, dancing on the razor sort of stuff. Uh, so if you're that guy, uh, Arch is the way to go. And Gen 2 is pretty close to that too. They're a little more... They're a little more, I would say, stable like Fedora is. They're they're cutting edge, not bleeding edge, for Gen two stuff. But they're they're the the guys who want to squeeze every millisecond out of their computer. Yeah, yeah. The guys for whom boot time is a real statistic. I hate yep. it when people say now boots twenty seven percent fast. Who cares? You turn yeah, the computer spend, on. <laughs> yeah, they spend three weeks getting uh, a five second. Yeah. Shave off of on a process they do six times a month. But Bandana Guy cares. Yeah. He does. Uh, what are your other thoughts on this? Uh, let's see. Okay, so we did the two extremes there: the twelve o'clock blinker and the uh, um, the Bandana Guy. What about uh, college student? Uber Linux. Uber Linux. Tell me about or Uber. Is Linux. it Uber Learner? Hold on. Let me. Uh, I was. I was looking at this the other day when I was wanting to uh, just play around with something, and oh, ah, I cannot find See, it. I would say um, probably Ubuntu or Linux Mint. You know, those two are those two are so close. It's hand in hand for me uh, for for suggesting that because um, college people are looking for compatibility. They want to be able to sign in and have access to Active Directory type shares. They need to have um, compatibility for, for Office suites. Um, they they need their Wi-Fi to work. So I would almost say in printer support. I, I guess you got to have printer support too. I and, would say in media, right? They're all into to music and movies, and yep. and Mint has the best media support. Yeah. Well, and and Ubuntu can too if if you go through the hoops. So um, I, that's why I say those two are pretty close to hand in hand. Um, and and the fact that if you are a, a, any form of a, a decent, you know, not a hardcore gamer, but a 
a game, a first-person shooter gamer, and don't play the Bleeding Edge games, but you play games, uh, the the wine impl- implementation on the Debian, the the Ubuntu, and and that type of thing, the the support for wine is almost perfect. So. Yeah, I was just thinking more for in a classroom setting. It's actually USU at learnfree.eu, and it's designed to be used in a school environment. I uh, found it when I was looking for something else, and I fired it up and played with it a little bit, and I kind of liked what I saw. So, um, you know, but for the student who's going to be doing all kinds of extracurriculars, no, but for an education setting, maybe yes. So that's the USU Linux distribution. Yeah, and um, the website that I found it from called it Uber Linux. Uh, you know, Uber being like Latin for productive or something, I think. <laughs> I think it's German, so, uh, actually. German for super. Ah. Uh, but yeah, so, and it's based on, it's actually based on Ubuntu, so there you go. Yeah, see, that's a... Uh, Debian was one of the big three, uh, just a bit of trivia there, uh, created over a weekend by uh, Ian and his wife, Deborah, hence Debian, um, uh, became the one of the big giants there. And then Ubuntu takes what Debian does and, and tweaks it, and they became a derivative. And then Ubuntu got so big that there's lots of derivatives of Ubuntu. So it's, it's, a, it's like the grandson of Debian. So Debian does all the heavy lifting, uh, Ubuntu makes it pretty, and then all these other distributions add or remove stuff to make it customized. Yep, that's pretty much, and that's how Linux works, too. So, Okay, any other users? Uh, give me some s- scenarios, guys. Um, uh, Facebook Mom. What does Facebook Mom need? Just, uh, you I know, think- Soccer mom, three kids, um, just wants to, to browse the web, do Facebook, and send email from her AOL account. She just needs one that works on her hardware configuration. That's Because right. all you have to do is have a modern web browser. Yep. So we're going to go Ubuntu again on that one probably? Well, any of the big three okay. is what I would say. Yeah. Wh- wh- whichever color scheme she likes better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, how about uh, elementary student? Oh, I have one for that. Puppy? Hold on, let me find. Uh, let me find the link for it. Hold on a second. I love it when browsers are fired up and people start scurrying. It's like, oh crap! I, you didn't. That wasn't in the notes. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I mean, you know, there you get back to just. A, I would go into a specialized version of Ubuntu that is. Yeah, was it Edbuntu? Edubuntu. Um, yeah. Yep, that's yeah. the one I was looking for, is Edbuntu. That one works. I use it in my classroom, in some of the classrooms I take care of. Um, you know, these are K, K through 5, and there's some kids that they want to go to the room in order to play on the computers because they love, like, the, edu- the education games in there. Okay. Yeah, I, when I was looking up stuff for this show, I found one, you know, when you get into the niche users... There's like there's the Ubuntu Christian edition, so uh, it has some things like Open Sword and other uh, like Bible study software preloaded into it. And so there's a website for Ubuntu Christian edition. 
Um, yeah, okay, let me just get on a soapbox here for a minute. That bugs me. When somebody takes Ubuntu, adds two apps, and calls it a new distribution. It's not, all right? It's just two apps, really. Get over yourselves. But <laughs> I guess um, that's the, the freedom that the open source community uh, allows, is people can do even that kind of, you know, I've seen, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, uh, uh, well, actually, that's sort of what uh, uh, Mint started out was. It's Ubuntu with pretty icons and a, and a pretty background. It's kind of what it started. Uh, and then they added codecs and stuff and, um, and call it an entire distribution. And I, I think, you know, it's that word that we've mentioned a thousand times, fragmentation. It kind of bugs me when people do that. Well, I mean, one thing, you know, they don't call it the Christian edition distribution. They just, they leave Ubuntu in the name and it's Ubuntu Christian edition. Yeah. So you get the, I mean, there's probably a Muslim edition. You know, there's even a, an Ubuntu rescue edition, which has a bunch of, recovery software preloaded and like the GUI stripped out so you have a command line. I think people uh, need to do more like the LD project that we talked about last week. Just produce a package that runs on your your on whatever Linux you want. Yeah, that would be good. Rather than having to download a whole, you know, live C D or whatever, I can just have a live C D of Ubuntu and then, you know, fire up the package manager and get the exact one I want. I th- it would probably go a long way to, well, it, it would just be nice to have fewer or less clutter in the uh, which distro is right for me game. See, and I thought about one for, like, the uh, media center people. Um, oh, yeah. Myth Yeah, There used to be a different one, and Lin- it was called Linux, uh, what is it, Linux DE? Or something, I'd have to go looking for it. But the 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 program is dead. Um, it, you can still find the ISOs if you really go hunting for it. And it was a neat idea, but it just never got any traction. I think it was too early for its time. But it would take it would take Myth TV and ramp the uh, way up abilities. Uh, it would also do your home automation stuff. It had all sorts of these bells and whistles. Yeah, I, had a, uh, I had a friend that actually played around with that, and it was pretty incredible. It even would go to the point of putting uh, putting Bluetooth um, devices in your room, each room, and like your your phone would tell it where you were, and so you could be watching a movie in one room and walk to another room, and it would turn on the TV and bring up yep. the same movie you were just on, and and uh, you could it was your home security system, and you could actually look on your smartphone and see what the security camera was seeing in your house. Uh, all that was tied into that one package. Linux MCE, that's what it was. That's it, MCE, yeah. yeah. That was, and I wish that I wish that project would have started now. Because I think if it, if it would have started today, the traction it would have had would have been a much better traction. And it would probably be, a, it would probably take over from Mythbuntu. I think it, it, the, the interface and everything was so clean and so simple. Once you got it configured, and now that there's hardware support, I think it would be a much – now would be the time to start Linux MCE, not three years ago or four years ago, whenever it started. Yeah. All right, guys. Any other uh, thoughts on that? I, I think what we've highlighted, if anything else, is that's a really hard question to answer. Well, <laughs> I kind of made the point a little bit before, but it's just like – you almost just have to pick a couple 
and run with them because if you spend all of your time trying to learn all the different distributions out there, you're not going to be doing anything but learning distribution names because there are so many. And, you know, there might be one that's a little bit better in this one thing than the one you chose, but, you know, just, just pick a couple and go with them. Sound advice. That's, that's pretty much it, too. Find, find your Find your poison and stick to it. And, you know, because it's free software, it doesn't cost anything, you know, uh, but some bandwidth and some time, try it. If you don't like it, blow it away and start over again. I wish I could yeah. do that with, you know, Linux or, or Windows or Mac as easily, you know, uh, put Mac OS on my machine. And if I don't like it, go to Windows 7. If I don't like that, uh, go to something else. That, that would be nice, but uh, not an option, obviously. Well, and there's nope. so many different distributions that run different environments too, you know. Because we didn't even t- we haven't even touched on environments either. Because there's GNOME, there's KDE, and and all the derivatives below those. And so that, I mean, there's even more choices below that to even because I mean, I've seen people that sit down in front of like I said earlier my my little teaser. They were used to be using GNOME, and then they sat down and all of a sudden went, wait a minute, where is everything? Right. My wife was a prime example of that. She sat down and went, hey, wh- where did everything go? So. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm out of ideas. If, uh, if you guys don't have anything else, we'll just move on to our tips of the week. Oh, great godfather of the command line, what have you brought for us this week? Uh, this week is pretty uh, is a powerful tool if you know how to use it. And everybody well, that has been running computers for a while remembers download managers and how much they were powerful and useful. This is something similar. It's called WGit. Now, I use WGit a lot, especially when I'm mirroring um, websites or stuff like that. Uh, the other thing I like to use it for is if, say, there's a flaky server that I'm trying to get a, pa- a file from, and it's a big file, WGit has an option for um, incremental downloading. So I can start it at home, download it to my thumb drive, bring the command line, the command with me to work, and download it at work or wherever I'm going to. Uh, it's got tons and tons of features, and they're they're just simple as uh, adding a switch. Uh, a, a dash and, and a switch. It, it, yeah, it's just one of those tools that you never know you need it until you find out. Oh, I can do that with WGET. Right, WGET. Basically, it's think of it as WebGET. If it's on the web, you can get it with this command. Pretty much. That's a good command. Uh, I used it. Uh, I, I mentioned in the Tightwad Tech uh, show a couple weeks back about. Uh, uh, how I was working on scheduling podcasts and uh, the way I, one of the tools that I finally did it was I had to write a PHP script that would do it, but then I needed to trigger that. So I wrote a cron job that uses wget to impersonate a browser and run the PHP script. So there's some geekery for you, for your noob listeners out there. I just, I just threw alphabet soup at you right there. Wow. I, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know the the Wikipedia isn't too geeky. It, it kind of gives you the background for it, and and a lot of the places that it would be used in. There is a there is a GUI front end for WGit that is 
Windows compatible. So if you want to play with WGit and the GUI interface, you can do it in Windows as well. Uh, but the power for WGit is command line. Okay. And uh, Seth, what is our end user tip of the week? Well, I called uh, this end user tip, I call it real life Pawn Stars because I was looking to buy a new computer and on a whim, I went to a pawn shop and I found a really good computer at a really cheap price. Like I saw the model and I saw how much they had it for. So I did a search on my smartphone and I saw that their price was cheaper. And of course it was a pawn shop. So I got it even cheaper and got a case thrown in. I ended up getting it for, it was 450 used on the online and I got it for $300 with the case. And so if you're wanting to try Linux and you don't want to blow away your Windows machine, and your Windows machine is not powerful enough to run a VM, you can go to a pawn shop, and you can find an older computer pretty cheap or a pretty new computer that is still pretty cheap in comparison, and, you know, get your new computer fix, and then, you know, bust out the Linux distribution of your choice. So when you're thinking buying a computer, you don't necessarily have to think, you know, Best Buy or Walmart or Fry's or Tiger Direct or Newegg or something like that. So check out your local pawn shop. And check out more than one pawn shop and play them against each other. Yeah. So I just went to one because I saw something I liked. But, uh, and you know, and it was just, I wasn't expecting to buy a computer. I just stopped on my way to the computer store and I ended up not going to the computer store. So that's my end user consumer tip of the week, how to save some money when you're buying a, I wouldn't buy a brand new computer there, but, and also another thing, I wiped the OS um, and I put a fresh OS on it because I don't know who used it before me. So if you're going to buy, if you're going to play around with Linux, buy a computer and uh, wipe it with the Linux distribution of your choice and welcome to the world of everyday Linux. Yeah, uh, the way uh, the thing I would recommend for wiping, by the way, is uh, Derek's Boot and Nuke, D A R I K. Um, it's a secure and simple, though not fast, way to wipe a hard drive and make sure that nothing that was on it will survive. Do that before you send your computer to the to the pawn shop, and and after you buy a computer from a pawn shop. D band Derek's Boot and Nuke. So, Aaron, what is our noob discovery of the week? Well. First of all, is that last thing you're talking about, is that similar to Chris's Nuke and Pave CD? Is that similar? <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. it doesn't pave, it just nukes. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I just wanted to throw something out there. So if we do have some real noobs, listen, and I, I don't have any idea, I don't have, a, I don't have the, uh, the pie chart in front of me as to what our audience really is as far as noobs. But There's a chart? After all the, I didn't know yeah, there was a chart. I, I, I have it. I just found it in front of me. Okay. Um, because it doesn't exist. The uh, obviously, after all this talk about which distro is best, and like Mark, the point Mark just made, I just want to reiterate it. And what Chris had said too. Just try them. It doesn't cost anything to try them. You can boot them on a live CD where you don't have to even install anything. You can make a new partition on your computer where you don't have to uninstall Windows. There's no other than time and a little bandwidth. There's no. Uh, there's no cost to play uh, the cost of a CD to burn a CD. If you want to burn a live CD of one, you know, whatever that costs 10 cents now or 50 cents, or whatever, I don't know. So 
And that's it. My new discovery of the week is just encouraging people to try it. Try some of them, play around, and get in there and see what happens. That's a very good one. All right. And so uh, any other thoughts, guys, before I wrap us up? I think I'm good. Okay. And so this is the part where I tell you where you can find out more about us and about these guys that you've been listening to. Uh, you can find them all on our website at elementop.com over in the uh, Everyday Linux Forum. Uh, they tend to hang out there, and uh, hopefully they'll be posting more content as we go. But uh, really the best place, uh, that's the best place for you to ask questions and start conversations and, and uh, get the expertise of the command line godfather uh, and uh, maybe even teach something to the, to the noob in residence. Um, so find us there at elementopi.com. You can find us on uh, Twitter at twitter.com slash elementopi. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, trust me, just search for it. <laughs> We're not there yet. Um, what else, guys? What, what have I forgotten? Uh, oh, uh, Google Voice. If you want to give us a call, leave a voicemail uh, that we will play here on the, the podcast. You can do that again right there at the website at elementopi.com. It's on the top right corner. Uh, it just says call us. You enter your phone number. Google will call you, and you leave us uh, a witty and insouciant voicemail, and we will play it on the show. Wait, I've and never send heard your feedback before. <laughs> oh, yes. Send your feedback. You can email us at uh, um, edl at elementop.com for everyday Linux and uh, Seth go look up the word insouciant it's uh, it's got a it got a couple of C's in it how do you what letter does it start with I or E I <laughs> <laughs> okay and so <laughs> I'm sorry I was just waiting for him to go look that up but uh, we can do that off the air so thanks for joining us folks and that wraps up this episode of everyday Linux <laughs>